0: section 42 of a popular history of france volume 5 this librivox recording is in the public domain a popular history of france from the earliest times volume 5 by françois guizot translated by robert black chapter 43 louis xiv the fronde and the government of cardinal mazarin part 5 the evil passions of men under the control of god help sometimes to destroy and sometimes to preserve them the interests of the spaniards and of the prince of conde were not identical he desired to become the master of france and to command in the king's name the enemy were laboring to humiliate france and to prolong the war indefinitely the archduke recalled count fuendal Sagne to dunkirk and turenne withstanding the terrors of the court which would fain have fled first into normandy and then to lyon prevailed upon the queen to establish herself at pontoise whilst the army occupied Compiègne. At every point cutting off the passage of the Duke of Lorraine, who had been reinforced by a body of Spaniards, Turenne held the enemy in check for three weeks, and prevented them from marching on Paris. All parties began to tire of hostilities. Cardinal Mazarin took his line, and proudly demanded of the king permission to withdraw, in order by his departure, to restore peace to the kingdom. The queen refused there is no consideration shown she said for my son's honor and my own we will not suffer him to go away but the cardinal insisted prudent and far-sighted as he was he knew that to depart was the only way of remaining he departed on the nineteenth of august but without leaving the frontier he took up his quarters at bouillon the queen had summoned the parliament to her at pontoise a small number of magistrates responded to her summons, enough, however, to give the Queen the right to proclaim rebellious the Parliament remaining at Paris. Chancellor Seguier made his escape in order to go and rejoin the Court. Nobody really believed in the Cardinal's withdrawal. Men are fond of yielding to appearances in order to excuse in their own eyes a change in their own purposes. Disorder went on increasing in Paris the great lords in their discontent were quarrelling one with another the prince of conde struck m de rieux who returned the blow the duke of nemours was killed in a duel by m de beaufort the burgesses were growing weary of so much anarchy a public display of feeling in favour of peace took place on the twenty fourth of september in the garden of the palais royal those present stuck in their hats pieces of white paper in opposition to the frondeurs tufts of straw people fought in the streets on behalf of these tokens for some weeks past cardinal de retz had remained inactive and his friends pressed him to move Quote, you see quite well they said that Mazarin is but a sort of jack-in-the-box out of sight to-day and popping up to-morrow but you also see that whether he be in or out the spring that sends him up or down is that of the royal authority the which will not apparently be so very soon broken by the means taken to break it the obligation you are under towards monsieur, and even towards the public, as regards Mazarin, does not allow you to work for his restoration. He is no longer here, and though his absence may be nothing but a mockery and a delusion, it nevertheless gives you an opportunity for taking certain steps which naturally lead to that which is for your good." Quote. Retz lost no time in going to Compiègne, where the king had installed himself after Mazarin's departure he took with him a deputation of the clergy and received in due form the cardinal's hat he was the bearer of proposals for an accommodation from the duke of orleans but the queen cut him short the court perceived its strength and the instructions of cardinal mazarin were precise the ruin of de retz was from that moment resolved upon the prince of conde was ill he had left the command of his troops to m de tavannes during the night between the fifth and sixth of october turenne struck his camp at villeneuve st Georges crossed the Seine at Corbeil, the Marne at Meaux, without its being in the enemy's power to stop him, and established himself in the neighborhood of Dammartin. Condé was furious. Tavannes and Vallon ought to wear bridles, he said. They are asses. End quote. He left his house and placed himself once more at the head of his army, at first following after Turenne, and soon to sever himself completely from that Paris which was slipping away from him. Quote, he would find himself more at home at the head of four squadrons in the Ardennes than commanding a dozen millions of such fellows as we have here, without excepting President Charton, said the Duke of Orléans. Quote, the Prince was wasting away with sheer disgust. He was so weary of hearing all the talk about Parliament, Court of Aids, Chambers in Assembly, and Hôtel de Ville, that he would often declare that his grandfather had never been more fatigued by the Parsons of La Rochelle. End quote. The great Condé was a thirst for the thrilling emotions of war, and the crime he committed was to indulge at any price that boundless passion. Ever victorious at the head of French armies, he was about to make experience of defeat in the service of the foreigner. The King had proclaimed a general amnesty on the 18th of October, and on the 21st he set out in state for Paris. The Duke of Orléans still wavered, You wanted peace, said madame, when it depended but on you to make war. You now want war when you can make neither war nor peace. It is of no use to think any longer of anything but going with a good grace to meet the king. At these words he exclaimed aloud, as if it had been proposed to him to go and throw himself in the river, and where the devil should I go? he answered. He remained at the Luxembourg. On drawing near Paris, the king sent word to his uncle that he would have to leave the city. Gaston replied in the following letter, Quote, Monseigneur, having understood from my cousin the Duke of Dunville and from Sieur d'Aligre the respect that your majesty would have me pay you, I most humbly beseech your majesty to allow me to assure you by these lines that I do not propose to remain in Paris longer than till to-morrow and that I will go my way to my house at Limours, having no more passionate desire than to testify by my perfect obedience that I am with submission, monseigneur, your most humble and most obedient servant and subject, Gaston. Quote. The Duke of Orleans retired before long to his castle at Blois, where he died in sixteen sixty, deserted, towards the end of his life, by all the friends he had successively abandoned and betrayed. Quote, He had, with the exception of courage, all that was necessary to make an honourable man, says Cardinal de Retz, but weakness was predominant in his heart through fear, and in his mind through irresolution. It disfigured the whole course of his life. He engaged in everything because he had not strength to resist those who drew him on, and he always came out disgracefully because he had not the courage to support them. He was a prey to fear, fear of his friends as well as of his enemies the fronde was all over that of the gentry of the long robe as well as that of the gentry of the sword the parliament of paris was falling once more in the state to the rank which had been assigned to it by richelieu and from which it had wanted to emerge by a supreme effort the attempt had been the same in france as in england however different had been the success It was the same yearnings of patriotism and freedom, the same desire on the part of the country to take an active part in its government, which had inspired the opposition of the Parliament of England to the despotism of Charles I, and the opposition of the French parliaments to Richelieu as well as to Mazarin. It was England's good fortune to have but one Parliament of politicians instead of ten parliaments of magistrates, the latter more fit for the theory than the practice of public affairs and the reformation had beforehand accustomed its people to discussion as well as to liberty its great lords and its gentlemen placed themselves from the first at the head of the national movement demanding nothing and expecting nothing for themselves from the advantages they claimed for their country the remnant of the feudal system had succumbed with the duke of montmorency under richelieu France knew not the way to profit by the elements of courage, disinterestedness, and patriotism offered her by her magistracy. She had the misfortune to be delivered over to noisy factions of princes and great lords, ambitious or envious, greedy of honors and riches, as ready to fight the court as to be on terms with it, and thinking far more of their own personal interests than of the public service. Without any unity of action or aim, and by turns excited and dismayed by the examples that came to them from England, The Frondeurs had to guide them, no Hampton or Cromwell. They had at their backs neither people nor army. The English had been able to accomplish a revolution. The Fronde failed before the dexterous prudence of Mazarin and the Queen's fidelity to her minister. In vain did the coadjutor aspire to take his place. Anne of Austria had not forgotten the Earl of Stratford. Cardinal de Retz learned before long the hollowness of his hopes on the nineteenth of december sixteen fifty two as he was repairing to the louvre he was arrested by m de Vilquier, captain of the guards on duty and taken the same evening to the bois de vincennes there was a great display of force in the street and around the carriage but nobody moved whether it were says retz that the dejection of the people was too great or that those who were well inclined towards me lost courage on seeing nobody at their head people were tired of raising barricades and hounding down the king's soldiers i was taken into a large room where there were neither hangings nor bed that which was brought in about eleven o'clock at night was of chinese taffeta not at all the thing for winter furniture i slept very well which must not be attributed to stout-heartedness because misfortune has naturally that effect upon me i have on more than one occasion discovered that it wakes me in the morning and sends me to sleep at night I was obliged to get up the next day without a fire, because there was no wood to make one, and the three Exons who had been posted near me had the kindness to assure me that I should not be without it the next day. He who remained alone on guard over me took it for himself, and I was a whole fortnight at Christmas in a room as big as a church without warming myself. I do not believe that there could be found under heaven another man like this Exxon." He stole my linen, my clothes, my boots, and I was sometimes obliged to stay in bed eight or ten days for lack of anything to put on. I could not believe that I was subjected to such treatment without orders from some superior and without some mad notion of making me die of vexation. I fortified myself against that notion, and I resolved at any rate not to die that kind of death. At last I got him into the habit of not tormenting me any more, by dint of letting him see that I did not torment myself at all in point of fact i had risen pretty nearly superior to all these ruses for which i had a supreme contempt but i could not assume the same loftiness of spirit in respect of the prison's entity or substance if one may use the term and the sight of myself every morning when i awoke in the hands of my enemies made me perceive that i was anything rather than a stoic the archbishop of paris had just died and the dignity passed to his coadjutor as the price of his release mazarin demanded his resignation the clergy of paris were highly indignant cardinal de retz was removed to the castle of nantes whence he managed to make his escape in august sixteen fifty three for nine years he lived abroad in spain italy and germany everywhere mingling in the affairs of europe engaged in intrigue and not without influence when at last he returned to france in sixteen sixty two he resigned the archbishopric of paris and established himself in the principality of commercy which belonged to him occupied up to the day of his death in paying his debts doing good to his friends and servants writing his memoirs and making his peace with god this was in those days a solicitude which never left the most worldly the prince of conti had died very devout and madame de longueville had just expired at the carmelites after twenty-five years penance when cardinal de retz died on the twenty fourth of august sixteen seventy nine at the time of his arrest it was a common saying of the people in the street that together with cardinal de retz it would have been a very good thing to imprison cardinal mazarin as well in order to teach them of the clergy not to meddle for the future in the things of this world language which was unjust to the grand government of cardinal Richelieu, unjust even to cardinal mazarin the latter was returning with greater power than ever at the moment when cardinal de retz losing forever the hope of supplanting him in power was beginning that life of imprisonment and exile which was ultimately to give him time to put retirement and repentance between himself and death cardinal mazarin had once more entered france but he had not returned to paris the prince of conde soured by the ill success of the fronde and demented by illimitable pride had not been ashamed to accept the title of generalissimo of the spanish armies turenne had succeeded in hurling him back into luxembourg and it was in front of Bar, besieged that mazarin with a body of four thousand men joined the french army bas was taken and the campaign of sixteen fifty two disastrous at nearly every point had just finished with this success when the cardinal re-entered paris at the end of january sixteen fifty three six months later at the end of july the insurrection in guienne was becoming extinguished by a series of private conventions the king's armies were entering bordeaux the revolted princes received their pardon waiting for the prince of conti to marry as he did next year mademoiselle martinozzi one of mazarin's nieces Madame de Longueville retired to Moulins in the convent where her aunt, Madame de Montmorency, had for the last twenty years been mourning for her husband. Condé was the only rebel left, more dangerous for France than all the hostile armies he commanded. Cardinal Mazarin was henceforth all-powerful. Whatever may have been the nature of the ties which united him to the Queen, he had proved their fidelity and strength too fully to always avoid the temptation of adopting the tone of a master the young king's confidence in his minister who had brought him up equalled that of his mother the merits as well as the faults of mazarin were accordingly free to crop out he was neither vindictive nor cruel towards even his most inveterate enemies whom he could not manage as richelieu did to confound with those of the state the excesses of the factions had sufficed to destroy them Quote, time is an able fellow the cardinal would frequently say if people often complained of being badly compensated for their services mazarin could excuse himself on the ground of the deplorable condition of the finances he nevertheless feathered his own nest inordinately taking care however not to rob the people it was said he confined himself to selling everything at a profit to himself even the offices of the royal household without making as richelieu had made any advance out of his own money to the state when there was none in the treasury the power had been honestly won if the fortune were of a doubtful kind m mignet has said with his manly precision of language amidst those unreasonable disturbances which upset for a while the judgment of the great turenne which in the case of the great conde turned the sword of rocroy against france and which led cardinal retz to make so poor a use of his talent there was but one firm will and that was anne of austria's but one man of good sense and that was mazarin introduction aux négociations pour la succession d'espagne from sixteen fifty three to sixteen fifty seven Turenne, seconded by marshal Ferté and sometimes by cardinal mazarin in person constantly kept the spaniards and the prince of conde in check recovering the places but lately taken from france and relieving the besieged towns without ever engaging in pitched battles he almost always had the advantage mazarin resolved to strike a decisive blow It was now three years since, after long negotiations, the Cardinal had concluded with Cromwell, protector of the Commonwealth of England, a treaty of peace and commerce, the prelude and first fruits of a closer alliance which the able minister of Anne of Austria had not ceased to wish for and pave the way for. On the 23rd of March, 1657, the Parleys ended at last in a treaty of alliance, offensive and defensive. It was concluded at Paris between France and England. Cromwell promised that a body of 6,000 English, supported by a fleet prepared to victual and aid them along the coasts, should go and join the French army, 20,000 strong, to make war on the Spanish Low Countries, and especially to besiege the three forts of Gravelines, Mardic, and Dunkirk, the last of which was to be placed in the hands of the English, and remain in their possession. Six weeks after the conclusion of the treaty, the English troops disembarked at Boulogne. They were regiments formed and trained in the long struggles of the civil war, drilled to the most perfect discipline, of austere manners, and of resolute and stern courage. The King came in person to receive them on their arrival. Mardic was soon taken and placed as a pledge in the hands of the English. Cromwell sent two fresh regiments for the siege of Dunkirk. In the spring of 1658, Turenne invested the place. Louis Fourteenth and Mazarin went to Calais to be present at this great enterprise. And section 42.